up, folks? It's the Outer Rim News Podcast for the week of April the 12th. Um, looks like, wow, it's one more day and it'll be Friday the 13th since tonight's Thursday. Very, very odd. Very weird. But that doesn't mean bad things. It means good things because tonight, new episode. Um, tonight, I again have Mr. Ray Snedeker with me. And um, we're just going to you know jump into it to talk about the upcoming Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm sure everybody's getting all excited and, and uh, you know, a little little moist about it if if people like that word if they don't then pick your own <laughs> but first off man uh ray how you how you feeling man how's how's life treating you i don't know i was misled i i thought we were going to be talking about fuller house i'm i'm really disappointed now i don't want why would i uh, talk about star wars i think you got the wrong you, you, t- Ooh, you wait no. was that tonight or was that oh, okay. all right i can't even can't even remember <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the, <laughs> listen, 80s and 90s TV shows talk is like, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, okay. But we got our, yeah, yeah, so. it's going to be, I think the topic is, is Uncle Jesse's hair real? Right. That's going to be it. Come on, step by step, is Cody the strangler? <laughs> is he really the serial killer in, in the local town? Or in, or we can do sister, sister. Did Roger ever really go home? Did he? I don't ever think he had a home. <laughs> That's just my opinion. I think he was. <laughs> I think he, his parents were dead. Like, did they ever show his parents? No, he. Uh, I read up about this. He left, and I think they wrote his character out. And uh, I think it had something to do with his mom. Like, they wrote the character as his mom was sick, and he was living with her, like taking care of her, and that's why he just kind of disappeared from the show. So, uh, wow, yeah, that is very dark. <laughs> yeah, that's, they went. That they went very, dark. Very right there. dark. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> all right, let's get back on the Star Wars here. But uh yeah, man, like yeah, like that's that's crazy. I think that's derailed the whole the whole episode. I think we're just going to delve into that. Like I'm just going to google all that. <laughs> let's just let's, But uh let's talk, but yeah, man. Uh so Solo? No, let's not talk about Solo. Solo is old. That's okay. like everybody's going to see Solo. It's it comes out next month. Um Sister Sister. Okay. Reboot. <laughs> all right, there we go. <laughs> I would like to put but, uh, in, I'm going to put but in no, my, man, no, no. really, like, um, Aww, it's was, crazy, right? Like, we have, I, was gonna, I mean, technically it's a little over a month, but, I mean, mm-hmm. we had Last Jedi in December, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we have a new Star Wars movie within a month. That's crazy. I, I can't process that. <laughs> I don't know how, I mean, I, I am excited for it, but I don't know if Disney's excited for it. I can't, with how the marketing has been, it's been so strange. Like we're yeah we're, yeah I agree we're just getting the uh, I think tomorrow or it'll be today when this airs uh, I think the Lego sets are going to be released if I if I remember correctly. yeah that's right I think yeah. they're gonna they're doing like a soft release for yeah. um for like the toys and stuff they're not even gonna really do you know like a big Force Friday kind of event like they done in the past which I feel like I guess they're they're kind of number one like you said it feels like they're a little hesitant about their marketing with Solo which is not cool like it's very um scary to me but but it's weird they're not they're not doing some big uh merchandise push but i got a local um there's like a invite to our think geek store in town they're doing a, a like a friday release thing for solo but yeah it's so weird that they're really not pushing it you know in terms of marketing because i mean i i feel like by now we'd already be on the, the hype train you know but you know, we had the new trailer that just came out, and it was a good trailer. I, I really, I dug it. I thought it was really good, but you know, I don't see a lot of chatter about it. I mean, there's, there, I feel like they're trying to start the whole process now, but I don't know. It's just so weird. I, I'm, I still find it kind of odd that they stuck to that May release, mm-hmm. being that the last movie came out in December, and it, it, you know, just with the way they've done in the past, they've really, you know, taken their time and and rolling out everything and, and getting building up the hype for the, the new movies. And this one's basically just going to have a month to do that. And that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, the obvious, uh, the obvious way you'd probably look at it is, you know, they wanted to let the last Jedi breathe, I guess, you know, in terms of it's, you know, uh, you know, putting it out there. Like, you know, you had the Blu-ray coming out recently and, you know, back when it came out in theaters, you know, you didn't want, you know, for some reason they didn't put the solo trailer with the movie. I don't. I don't think they did, did they? I mean, the first trailer just came out what a month or two ago. 
Yeah, the first. I mean, I know they did the teaser for the Super Bowl. Yeah, te- teaser was um, the Super Bowl, or, or right after the Super Bowl. But they they did that that little tease, and then you know, it, was, it was pretty much kind of like radio silence for a while. They mm-hmm. just that was it. They just had the the one teaser, and then you know, and then now they're they're coming out with the, the official trailer for the movie. But um, it is. I'll tell you one cool sign is that they're taking it to con, which is. Which is weird. I think the last time they did that was for episodes two and three. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's going to be pretty neat to see what kind of reaction it gets at con. Yeah, especially when since it's you know film festival types. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, you know, I it's a good sign that maybe yeah. you know it's it's better than than people are trying. Because to me, I feel like the movie is starting to get negative hype. Like people it's are weird. It's- starting to just. I mean, ever since the the you know they had to change directors and all that, and everybody kind of jumped on board with just all oh, this movie's going to be garbage but um i don't know i mean i i'm i'm you know i'm optimistic i don't want to be negative about the movie i'm i'm kind of in that same ballpark i was with rogue one because whenever that was first announced i kind of had that you know that feeling of do we need it you know it's it's kind of like uh you know i i'm i'll watch it cuz it's star wars but i'm not like super excited and then closer towards you know time for the movie to come out i got more and more excited and then um of course, we all know. I mean, Rogue One ended up being like super awesome, and I think it was pretty much it was pretty well liked. I mean, I think the 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 consensus is that it was a great movie, a great Star Wars movie. But with with Solo, I mean, everybody's just pretty much kind of like they've written it off already. But I um I'm still kind of like, eh, do we even need it? But at the same time, the you know um what I guess you could pronounce his name Aaron. The uh, Ald- Aldenrich. Alden Ehrenreich, I think, or something like that. Yeah, Alden Alden Ehrenreich. I, I still can't remember the guy's <laughs> name. And uh, and of course Donald Glover, which was like dream casting. Like that was what that was the one thing I know that like all the fans were like oh, yeah. Donald Glover. Yeah, me too. And it's just <laughs> that was perfect. Like I mean, that was that to me. That's the whole worth of the you know ticket to me. I mean, it's just to see him as Lando. So I'm excited for that. But you know, I mean, other than that, I mean, the movie just—it looks fun. It looks like it's going to be like a really cool, like a—it's got that western, um, you know, heist vibe. You know, the you know, like the great train robbery kind of thing going on. You know, it just it feels it feels fun. I think um, Alden looks like he's going to be a good choice for Solo. I mean, he, he kind of has the mannerisms of Han. Kind of has his own thing. It's it's sort of like in that same similar um, style as Kirk from yeah, the Star Trek I was about reboot. To say that, yep. Yeah, so it it has that going for him, and um, and I mean I don't know. And then we of course we got Chewy, and he's he's same old Chewy, and um, I hear that there's gonna be a lot of humor in this one. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, it to me it 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 seems to be playing out to maybe it will be a good. I mean, plus I love Ron Howard, and I'll support anything he does. But um, I don't know. I guess we'll see when Con uh, rolls out and they they reveal it there, but. I don't know. I mean, what's your what's your take on the whole solo situation? <laughs> I, I don't know. I remember, you know, when we first got the announcement, it, it I was just kind of more along the lines of, you know, eh, so, you know, and I, I can understand the, I guess, the uh, cynicism involved because, you know, some people apparently, you know, you'll, if you go on the internet, you'll kind of see people who are like, we didn't need to know Han Solo's story, Han Solo's story, you know, it starts with, you know, episode four, you know, we don't need to know his origin and all that stuff because, you know, there's such an oversaturation of, you know, those type of movies where we have a character. So now let's get his origin story before we see him in this other project or, you know, it's kind of like the Marvelization of stuff, you know, everybody's got to have their solo movie before you get to the big group thing. And, you know, and I can understand the cynicism involved with, you know, thinking that, but you know, the the more I've seen, uh, the more I like, uh, I I don't have this like attachment. I mean, I, Harrison Ford is Han Solo. He did you know the perfect job with the character. You know, he from beginning to end. You know, he had the perfect send off for him. He did. You know, he you know he could have been so easy for him to phone it in with that last movie because mm-hmm. you know he he doesn't have the greatest love of Star Wars. You know, he you know I think his only I think the only thing that probably would have brought him back is, you know, he liked the script. He liked, he probably liked JJ and probably, you know, out of respect for George, but, you know, I'm betting he, the only reason he really agreed to it was, you know, he knew that Han was going to die in it because he, he, he'd wanted to kind of see the kitten, you know, see the death of the character and he never got to. So, right. 
I mean, I can understand that. And I, and, you know, I, I can understand people think, you know, well, they can't do this. You know, if he can't pull off Harrison, if he can't look enough like Harrison, if he can't act enough like Harrison. And I just kind of think with that is why does he need to exactly? I mean, you, like you brought up, you know, with, uh, you know, Chris Pine playing a young Kirk, he didn't really do, you know, mannerisms of, you know, of Will Shatner, because I mean, if you thought about it, it really looked kind of terrible if he was pausing after every few words about what he was saying, you know, Scotty, we got to right. stop this Nero guy. You, What's he doing right. with that ship? But, uh, but he had the essence of the character. Yeah, that was yeah, the thing. He, that was the yeah, important. It was yeah. that spirit of Kirk. Yeah, he had the, and it worked, but it yeah. came, he did it in his own yeah. way. And it's, yeah, that's, that's what's great. That's, you know, that's what you want. You don't want him to like, you know, you don't want, you don't need to have a character look, you know, you know, 99% like the previous actor. Oh God. I mean, you remember that one time in Dragon Con, there was that guy who brought up, you know, when this was before, um, Star Trek, you know, the, uh, the reboot movie came out. Remember that guy who argued for, uh, <laughs> having all the actors put into CGI, you know, so you'd have the oh, original yeah. cast still. <laughs> I mean, how we just yeah. kind of thought that was just the most ridiculous, you know, thing ever, just like needlessly expensive. And you just, just, I mean, I was just, I was sitting there, my, I couldn't even believe it. I thought he was like trolling everybody. I'm like, I no, know he's not serious. Oh, no, he's dead. But no, serious. I think he was like 100% serious. Like, like he wanted his, his people to live on. So it's like, yeah, that same idea. Like nobody else should be on other than I mean, Harrison Ford. Yeah. So they should just put a CGI version of him in the movie. <laughs> Harrison Ford. I, I, you know, I get it. Everybody I loves mean, their, yeah. their characters. I mean, like, I mean, cause it, it kind of annoyed me because, uh, I mean, I mean, not not that part, but like you know, the reaction I've already seen from the trailers. You know, like the newest trailer where we finally see Donald Glover do a little bit of Lando. Finally, instead of just mm-hmm. seeing glimpses of him, we finally you know hear him speak. And you know, he you know, it's Donald Glover with a little bit of charm to him. But then you know, you hear people screaming like, "Oh man, he doesn't sound anything like Billy D. Williams. He he doesn't have that silky smooth charm of Billy D. Williams." And I'm just thinking, you know, you're making this judgment on barely you know barely five seconds of you know of a of dialogue and and he doesn't even need to be that yet because i mean this is lando before empire strikes back i mean he could uh it just seems you know it seems like people are wanting to find stuff to get angry about oh yeah i mean you'll you'll always yeah you're you'll always have like the resistance mm-hmm. you know the the people that just like nope yeah. no he doesn't sound like him no it doesn't even look like him no i just don't i don't i don't, I don't care <laughs> like and i find that's fine you know you people just have their they're stuck in their ways and they they don't want to accept it that's that's cool just move on but you know especially like the ones that just have a crusade against it and they just they want to spoil the fun for everybody i mean me personally i thought i thought donald glover looked great as lando I mean, he looks good as lando but like from what i heard just the few little parts you hear him i mean he just to me it's it's never you know you can't like with harrison you can't just imitate him because then you're just doing a caricature you're just you're cosplaying as as the character but he had that that you know hey baby you know that that sort of like suave like so it's it's like if i can if i can get you know donald glover just trying to turn on the charm plus this is a character who this is a younger version so he's probably you know insecure you know probably trying to figure out his fashion sense you know so he's going to wear like they they did a, an interview recently and they're talking to to Donald Glover about it and that's basically what he's explaining is the the insecurity of the character and the you know him having to kind of get used to his own his own style like you know this is kind of like he played him as a character who's who's still figuring that out so it's like you know I'm just going to wear capes all the time <laughs> I'm going to try to look good but, you know, it's trying to get into his own character. But I don't expect somebody to just walk around just, you know, Code 45, you know, the whole movie. <laughs> it would just be, it would be silly. But, um... How you doing, you Yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely... Do, do what? How you doing, you old pirate? Well, you know, well, this yeah. way it'd be like... <laughs> you old pirate? <laughs> how, how are you doing, you young pirate? I, I'm just, I'm hesitant. I'm not going to make brass judgments. I'm just going to wait... And, you know, because it, it was, like I said, I love when I'm surprised. I love, like, Rogue One took me by surprise. I was thoroughly for it. I just, you know, with Rogue One, I knew I was going to at least like the cheer it part because I'm a huge Donnie Yen fan. And, of course, they, they make that character the standout character. And I, that made me even happier. But 
but just you know the movie the movie worked i mean even though they may have had to do some emergency tweaking and and reshoots oh, yeah, and yeah. I mean, stuff like that but you know what they're you know if they're trying to fix a movie that's fine and they've in like to me i feel like rogue one is kind of that living proof that that you know lucasfilm is going to do everything in their power to make to deliver a movie that's somewhat worthy it could be controversial like last jedi or it could be you know rogue one where it's there's a lot of fan service but you know it's also kind of you know it's it it to me rogue one really just stuck a flag down in the ground and just it took its place in the star wars universe like it was like don't write me off because this story needed to be told so no matter what you thought you knew, this is, this is boom, you know, and I, I, I admire that. So I'm hoping that that's the, you know, the choice here is that we, we get a, a cool Star Wars entry. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm hoping it could be horrible, <laughs> but it, it, I, I, you know, wait till it comes out and let history be the judge. But, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited to see like, just, I'll tell you the, the biggest thing that I'm, I'm. I'm not really concerned, but it's just kind of like a wow, like what are they going to do here is with the Millennium Falcon. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. The design looks crazy, but I, I kind of dig it. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't, at first, I'll, because, you know, we saw those, you know, the first leaked pictures were those, you know, far off shots of it where you just kind of got a little, you know, idea of what it looked like, you know, kind of more almost like the outline of we didn't We didn't get a really detailed shot, but you could see the, you know, you could see what really mattered was, you know, it was a much lighter color and the, you know, the front section was filled in. I didn't have the little wedge gap in it. And, you know, people right. were, you know, obviously, you know, that's what's really stood out is like, you know, what, you know, cause you know, there was the whole legends, you know, idea of how that wedge worked, you know, you know, they'd created like, you know, that it's what grabs onto whatever it's towing. I mean, have mm-hmm. you ever seen that, that picture? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so to, to have that kind of, at least with this model, you know, it's kind of thrown aside, you know, to show that it's not exactly that. It looks like it may be something else. I mean, according it's, to, yeah. I mean, it's, well, actually, to me, it looks a lot like they've, they've taken, you know, like the whole idea of the ghost and how it had that, that uh, a separate you know, shuttle, the, the separate shuttle. Yeah. I feel like that's probably what this is going to be. Something similar to Cause that. It, I mean, if I remember correctly, you know, the pictures I've seen of the Kessel Run Falcon Lego set, that's how, that's basically how it looks. And, it's, you know, I think it's, I think it's called that, like on the back is like a little, uh, like escape shuttle or shuttle something, emergency shuttle. Yeah. Well, there's a model that just got leaked, like some pictures of this, you know, the Bandai brand models. Um, they've got a, a version of it now and, and it already shows it like where it comes off, like it detaches. So it obviously looks like it's going to, it's like some sort of an escape pod or shuttle type craft. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to, cause I, I imagine they're going to answer the question somehow in the episode. Like I'm guessing either it's going to be shot offs for some reason and never returned, or it's going to be like damaged beyond repair to where it's knocked off. Mm-hmm. But right. I, I mean that that's my guess as to what would happen with it. But uh right. no it's it's probably definitely going to play into it in in some way and and also just the you know like the dish on it is different where it's sort of like a flatter, you know, just kind of pointing yeah, yeah. you know just stationary I mean, straight wait, up dish. Well, even the color scheme is different, you know, it, you know, he has yeah. that clean white and blue. I like that. Yeah. I like that it really plays you know, it plays up what Lando said in Empire Strikes Back when he first sees Han again. You know, <laughs> yeah. what did you do with my ship? And, right. And now exactly. you got the comparison. And like, I've even seen like great little internet jokes about it. Whereas in like, um, was it, I think someone, uh, I, I'll send it to you, but it's like a semi truck and it's like really mm-hmm. sporty looking and it's like white and yellow. And somebody says like Lando ship. And then there's like a junker with its, uh, with its cargo missing. <laughs> and it's just like, and right. it's got like a like a rigged on satellite, and it just says Han Solo ship or something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> like basically Man, he has yeah, to turn it into a hunk of junk. I hope we get to see in the movie. I mean, it probably won't be until the end, but it, it'd be cool to see him um, like address the cannons. You know, like like it, you maybe see where Han finally um, installs like the new quad turrets, because in in the movie it looks like it's just a one cannon. You know. So that will be cool to see, you know, if they if they install that at some point in the movie or at least address it. Like he'll say, "God, I need some better guns on this ship yeah. or something." <laughs> kind of like to like you but, know, um, to show that it's a it's be it, you know he turns it into a, a like a smuggler ship basically. So it has to have 
better firepower to deal with right. pirates. Yeah, and, definitely. Because the idea, I think, in the original canon was that they were highly illegal, like the quad turrets were <laughs> were not were not legit. But you know, that's you know the life of a smuggler. But I'll tell you, with this new movie, I mean, the I'll tell you that probably the at least the two main questions I'm going to have are, um, you know, based off the trailer and stuff, it's going to be, you know, how, number one, how is the, like, are they, I guess, are they going to really play Sabak for him to win? Because, you know, they're, they're, the way I heard it explained, even in the behind the scenes stuff is the, you know, the, the golden dice that Han has as a sort of like a good luck charm. Yeah, the good luck charm that hangs on the in the cockpit that is supposed to be the dice he used that when he won the Falcon. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, well, that's that's weird because you know in the old canon he all they always say he won he won it in a game of Sabak against uh, Lando. So I wonder how that's going to play in here. Like if it's still going to be the same thing, only slightly different, or you know that that'll be interesting because that's a that's a you know to me that's a big canon thing you know for them to establish and also i want to know since this takes place on kessel if they're going to borrow ideas from the old expanded universe and use like the because there's a shot in the old in the first trailer definitely you see the the star destroyer that's kind of like outside this looks like this kind of space storm you know where they you see them going after the falcon and all that to me i'm wondering if that's like the maw installation or in the in the maw cluster you know, from uh, from the old canon, which was basically this this area of space near Kessel that was like a collection of like black holes and you know, sp- I guess like sp- just distortions in space and all that kind of stuff. And and within, you know, kind of hidden in there was a like a secret imperial base, and they did science experiments there. They had like a Death Star prototype. They had the Sun Crusher. A ship that was that was like another is like a mini version of the Death Star and uh, things like that. And um, I wonder if that's going to somehow if they're going to retcon that and bring that into the new canon through the movie. Well, uh, one thing I really liked is you know ever after Ron took over, you know he did a lot of uh, you know he started doing a lot of tweeting and stuff about you know behind the scenes stuff like you know mm-hmm. when we you know. Uh, you know, Lord and Miller, when they were doing it, they were very kind of hush hush on what they were doing, and I'm right. not, you know, I'm not sure if that was just like their brand of secrecy, or maybe when Ron came on, Disney was like, do a lot of tweeting about what's going on for like you know a little bit of damage control because you know we just did kind of fire our previous two directors, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we need to kind of instill some confidence in what's going on. But uh, I like probably that's probably exactly what it what it was. Yeah. But uh, I, I I like a lot of the stuff he tweeted, you know, because he, you know, we got to see some of uh, Lando's, you know, his outfits. So, you know, kind of seeing the classic style, of, you know, the capes and the bright colors that he liked to wear. And then, you know, I think he tweeted, you know, um, was it like a sign of the Kessel Mines? The kind of, you know, that was mm-hmm. our first time that we realized that Kessel was going to play into the movie. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and... You know, then he's also had the one where he was playing with the uh, the two actors who were doing tag and bink. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's I was really excited to hear about that too. So I like the idea that you know it. I'm not sure if it was Lord and Miller's idea. You know, when they were actually writing it, or if this has been stuff that's come after later. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously it probably has to be when they were there. But uh, I like that they've shown this kind of love for the old canon where they've been kind of pulling stuff from it, you know, and finding ways to incorporate it into the new stuff, you know, without mm-hmm. trying to like, I guess, yeah. well, I mean, I, of course, you know, some people are going to see it as fan service, but I I, I I, at least like the idea that they're doing that. that they're right. kind of, Well, to me, that's just, to me, it shows respect to the, to the series. I mean, you know, cause that was a lot of, that was a lot of great ideas from back in the day that, that kind of had to get wiped away to make way for the new universe. And that's totally fine. I was one of those fans that, it was sad, but at the same time, I knew it was necessary. I knew that that was just, they had to do that if they were going to kind of have a clean slate. Yeah, yeah. They because would just they'd have be, to kind of. I mean, because they'd be forever like handcuffed to this, this set timeline that's already, you know, reaching up like, God, almost like 130 years after battle. You know, if you're, if you're thinking about the, uh, the legacy series, you know, with Cade Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And there's, you know, so yeah, so they needed to just. Do I was just saying, like, clean they, break. They really, I mean, they, yeah, they, they, had, there was a lot, like you said, there was a lot that they had to to work with. So I mean, wiping it out is pretty good. But like you were saying, they, they really, I like like with especially with rebels. Rebels did a really good job of of, and I'm sure that was a lot of Pablo doing that, but. Um, just bringing in a lot of the old ideas, I mean, just just down to the you know like the little ships, like um, you know they they brought in the, the Outrider YT uh, class, the Hammerhead ships from I think that was from the Old Republic, right? Yeah. So then you had like the um, uh, the like there, I can't remember the the style of the ship, but the flurry it was from uh, from Truce at Bakura. And uh, it was basically like that triangular ship that's in oh that's yeah in Rebels. Oh, God uh, that ship they they've that. they've used even in even in the Clone Wars I remember they took the same exact uh, ship model that was the Lady Luck you know Lando ship looks like a shuttle they used that in some of the Clone Wars episodes I think it was like mainly the ones where it was the little arc where Obi Wan went undercover as a bounty hunter. And they used that. There was, I think it was in that one. And I know they, I think they may have used the Hound's Tooth as well. That was Bosk's ship in the old canon. So stuff like that. I mean, they, you know, they really would borrow stuff. Even, I think another one that impressed me was, you know, in the old canon, Admiral Akbar, you know, he's a Calamarian. He, um, he is credited as the, the creator, the designer of the B-Wing fighter. So in the Rebels canon, they they bring in and it's not it's not Akbar but it is a Mon Calamarian yeah. so I thought that was really that was a really cool way of doing that to kind of keep it true in spirit even though it's not exactly, exactly. the same like you know it kind of plays up that uh, that Mon Calamari engineering you know, mm-hmm, exactly yeah. and who knows he could he could have still had a hand in it and somehow maybe it was based off some ideas that was passed along from Akbar maybe he had a hand in it somewhere but. Yeah, just keeping in the spirit that you know the Mon Calamarians were great shipbuilders. You know, even to, even the Rattus. You know, we have the um, in the Last Jedi Leia's ship. I mean, this thing was just like state of the art, really great shields and all that kind of stuff. But the Rattus, in reference to Admiral Rattus from Rogue One, beautiful Mon Calamarian ship. They just, you know, I love how they kind of kept that line going. But um, but yeah, I just feel like you know bringing Tag and Bink into the into Solo is just another nod towards the old canon and I you know I'm sure that they'll continue to do that and maybe maybe solo will be chock full of of uh great you know retcons oh yeah I, I'm looking forward to what all they'll do with it I mean I I loved the little surprise we got in the trailer of another Wookiee appearing yeah I'm, oh man which I'm hoping is Mala you know Wookiee uh Chewie's old wife from the Christmas special oh <laughs> so that would be great if that ends up being her <laughs> I, I would love it as like that's just Ron's way of picking on George a little bit. Yeah, you, you thought we Man, forgot. I'm saying I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it if I if I have if like if I see Lumpy <laughs> pop up in this movie, I'm going to go crazy because I love me some Lumpy. No, no, and then just just there's a moment where out in Arrak at the very very end, Han just says, you know, you know we we need to celebrate Life Day, and then he looks at the camera and he winks, and then it go instead of going to the to any kind of credit, it just says, that's for you, George. Right. <laughs> exactly. We didn't forget. Man, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like with what? Ron coming on board, mm. I, I feel like he's, he's he probably took this ship and, and really steered it in the direction it needed to go. Because, yeah. I mean, I feel like Ron, Ron Howard's a good, he's a seasoned director. He's mm-hmm. just, he's, truly professional people had nothing but great things to say about him mm-hmm. so i feel like you know them bringing him on board i'm sure he had a lot to say about mm-hmm. the editing and, and a lot of that stuff and i'm sure they were able to kind of you know pull it from the brink and really make it something worthy of, of the star wars moniker well i mean do you remember the uh i think it was a, i think it was put out a couple weeks ago do you remember the or did you read the article that was you know an insider from the uh, a so-called insider that you know had some information on like how things were on set between you know when things were going down with Lord and Miller and then how they changed once Howard came on board. Did you ever read that article? Yeah, I remember reading something about that. Like how it was that article that came out, kind of like you know it was, it was crazy. yeah, it was like it was really tense when Lord and Miller because you know they would have like 
so many takes per scene, you know, like they couldn't mm-hmm. almost like they didn't have so much of a vision of what they wanted it so much as like they just wanted the actors to kind of just, you know, do their best each time, you know, come up with something a little different and then they'll just have a big list of truth, you know, to choose from later on or. Right. Like you know, I heard that the, the yeah. big thing was, and it's funny because this comes on the heels of like, um, I'm not sure if you're following the Goldbergs this season, but they, they had an episode where Adam is directing and is everything, every answer he had to every problem was, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> and I hear that that was pretty much their, their, uh, response to everything with, with this movie was they were just, we'll, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> Man, now I, I, I need to catch up with the Goldbergs, but no, I, I think that, I mean, it's kind of just, you know, and then once, you know, uh, once Howard came on board, you know, their comparison was like, he knew what he wanted with each scene. So like, you know, whereas in Lord and Miller were doing around like what, 20, 25 takes for one scene or one shot. Um, you know, he was only needing like three or four. They, they were saying like their keyword for how he was once he came on board was efficient. You know, he knew how right. to, he knows how to work. So, I mean, he's been working this for how many decades now? I mean, this is probably, this is his, Going on fortieth, I mean, he started directing in the eighties. Yeah, so. so I mean, he, he yeah, he's a pro with this stuff. He knows you know, the ins and outs of how to how to work a movie set to, you know, to the best of his you know ability. And my thing is, is I hope the movie is successful enough. I mean, being that it looks like they're not, they're probably not putting out a, as much money on marketing as as some of the others. So maybe you know, I'm hoping this it'll follow like with Rogue One and at least pass the billion dollar mark when it comes out. And, um, and if it does really, really well, I'm hoping that Ron Howard kind of has this hat trick in his pocket, like this little thing where he'll just, he'll go, Hey, made you a lot of money. What do you think about a, a Willow sequel? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, I think I've said it in previous episodes of this podcast, but I really want to see a Willow sequel. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm like, sure Val not, Maybe not even a direct sequel, but it, like something that takes place in that universe directed by Ron Howard. I would love to see that. I bet Val Kimmer would love to see a Willow sequel too. <laughs> oh, I bet he would too. Oh, poor Val. Wasn't there a, uh, wasn't there a, uh, wasn't there a, uh, you know, Warwick Davis's, um, show, um, what was it? Yeah, Life, life or, li- Life, Life is Short. Yeah, Life is Short, I believe, something wasn't, like wasn't that. There, yeah, it's wasn't, like a, wasn't there a joke about, like, him and, um, him and Val Kilmer trying to pitch, uh, someone like a Willow sequel, like, while they were having yeah, dinner? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. that was like a little <laughs> storyline in some of the episodes where it was him and Val Kilmer. <laughs> and it was so funny because Val Kilmer, uh, you know, I know this is going off subject, but the, it was a running joke in there where he would, he, he loved to take the Batman cow with him and put the mask on and, say, and talk to women saying, Hey, I've, I was Batman or something, you know, like it's me, Val. <laughs> oh God. And I'm like, Oh man, he probably really does that. <laughs> oh man. But, oh, Val uh, Kilmer. Someone put him in but Star you know, Wars. You know, we, I know, man. I, you know, and I, like I said, I, I wish the best for, him. I know he's kind of like, I know he was sick with cancer. Um, recently with i think like throat cancer but i, I think he's on the men so you know hopefully mad morgan's doing good well and, you know you wish him yeah best. yeah because i you know i always heard like the horror stories about him when he was you know back in the 90s and stuff but it, you know from what i've heard lately is you know he's had a much better attitude and you know people really you know like he's turned over a new leaf so yeah I, I, listen I, I, i'm yeah. sure people i'm i'm sure he has met people that have basically made like humbled him I'm, I'm sure like especially getting when you get older and you you reflect on just how you used to behave i'm sure he's a lot more humble now so he's yeah you know because it don't always last forever let's let's talk a little bit about one of our favorite subjects i know we talk about a lot off off mic but um the old canon the old the old books i I'm still to this day I read them. Like r- currently, right now, I'm in, I'm on the third book in the Jedi Academy trilogy, Champions of the Force, uh, which is excellent. It's really good. What's your favorite old canon book or story? Maybe a, if there's a trilogy or a single book, what what was one of your go tos? It was a little film called The Caravan of Courage. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There no, we go. No, no. So we're we're going we're going movies and not books, huh? <laughs> I just want to no, fit I'm that in there somewhere. No, I'm talking about the novelization. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I would say, uh, favorite book of the old canon. Oh man, I would say it would be one of two because they just stuck out to me. Uh, do novelizations count in this? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. I would say it's kind of funny then because it kind of turns out to be the same author for both books. It's either going to be the Revenge of the Sith novelization by Matthew Stover or Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. Shatterpoint. Shatterpoint was, I loved, like, there was so much, like, especially toward the end, there was, like, Joseph Campbellian type stuff going on. Like, you know, you really see how... Mace is not what you see him as in the movies. You know, he looks like a, a one-dimensional badass sometimes in the movies because, I mean, that's all they need from him as a character at the time. But right. the way Stover, like, I-, I loved how Stover approached him. I-, I remember you telling me about, a, you know, when you're kind of selling me on the book before I read it. Can you, remember you uh, you let me borrow it to read it. And mm-hmm. uh, Oh, yeah, years and, and years yeah, ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he he kept a journal and... You know, he has that guilt over what happened with uh, in Attack of the Clones, whereas in, I think the plan was that they could have just dropped a bomb on the place and just wiped out all the Separatists one go, killed Dooku. That, you know, that would have been the kaput on that whole, you know, organization, or, le- or at least they thought at the time. You know, I'm sure cities would have came up with something else, but that would have solved a lot of the problems that they're currently in. And right. he has a lot of guilt over that because he... He pushed for them to rescue, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme because they were, you know, they're captive. And then they lost how many, like, I think, how many, how many Jedi did he remember? Like, I don't think they gave a specific number, but I think they lost, like, what, nearly, was it like 50, 100 Jedi on that? Something like that. I mean, there was, there was a lot of Jedi that yeah. died on Geonosis. Yeah. He, I, mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was close, I mean, if, few hundred yeah and i don't know if it was quite a thousand jedi because i mean there were only a few thousand around but yeah and i mean and he has the guilt over um you you wouldn't think it because of how cold he was in the moment but he has the guilt over what he did to uh jango you know he just cut the guy's head off you know without a thought i mean what i mean it was in self-defense but you know he it should i think they talked about it like you know he has a hard time dealing with the clones, especially when they have their helmets off, because it, if you think about it, it's really hard to kind of look into the face of someone you you killed. You know, there there can't be anything, you know, easy about that. And then, you know, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but there's a moment, like, toward the end where he's, like, he's, I think, like, he got really heavily wounded. And uh, mm-hmm. he was, like, basically crawling through corpse pile of you know of the clones you know and you know all of them had their helmets off so it was like this very joseph campbell like moment where he's basically just having to crawl through these bodies uh, you know countless bodies and all of them had the face of the man he killed i mean that's just i I remember that that burned into my mind that moment i just i loved it and that that kind of cemented me as someone who was like okay from now on i'm gonna look out for anything this guy writes especially with star wars And, uh, yeah, that was kind of history with uh, Matt Stover. I, I, I really hope he comes back one day and does something else with Star Wars. I've, I'll tell you this much. That that novel, too, I think the Shatterpoint novel really stuck out for me because, um, like you were saying, man, I love how Mace Windu in that book, he looked at things like the title of the book it was he 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 saw things that in in shatterpoint yeah yeah like he always saw the weak points and everything and that was the thing that haunted him was that he thought i mean he saw dooku as the shatterpoint if he had just struck down dooku right then when he had him that everything would have been you know changed everything would have been saved and i love how he's always he's always so many steps ahead throughout the book like even when he has to take the gloves off i love that in the book there's a change in gears where he just he finally goes, okay, it's time, it's time to, to, you know, kick ass. Like yeah. it's time to just take the gloves off and let's go. So like, and he's always, you know, four or five steps ahead of everything. He's got a, you know, contingency plan for everything. And just that, like you said, with that inner conflict, I mean, God, Matthew Stover, that dude could write. Like I remember the first, I want to say the first Star Wars book he did was, um, it was during the new Jedi order. And, um, it was what now? Traitor, I think it had Jason on the cover, and it was pretty much I think it covered when Jason was held Cap- captive. Yeah, and um, oh, I didn't realize just, that. Yeah. So he wrote. Yeah, um, that was like his first intro. Yeah. So, and then I think after that he got the job to do uh, Shatterpoint, and of course from Shatterpoint he he went to um, to the the novelization episode three novelization, and did such a great job there because I mean he 
wow, you know, he he really did a good job with that book. I mean, like, and, yeah, um, people even call his, like, I think the gold standard in terms of, like, you know, especially like a Star Wars novelization, like, he's got the bar set, and that's what you want to strive to be, you know. Right. No, it, he's, I, I wish they would, you know, maybe we still, we will one day, but um, I really want to see him in the new canon. Like, he could, I mean, he could definitely come up with some great stories. I mean, he's just a good writer. I don't know what he's doing now, but yeah, man, I really enjoyed his stuff. I mean, he even come back and did, um, Shadows of it was a book called Luke. Yeah. Luke Skywalker and the shadows of Mendor. And it was like a, basically it was like his, his throwback to the old books, you know, like when Brian Daly and Tim Zahn and all them wrote them. So it was like a, it took place right after return of the Jedi. That was a really cool story because I had just reread that recently too. And, um, he really got to tell that story of just, you know, how Luke decided that he was done playing the military man. You know, he, he no longer wanted to have that kind of responsibility. Plus, you know, it kind of went against his Jedi morals, I guess, in a way. It was just something he couldn't really continue to do. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I'll, I'll say probably with me, I mean, there were so many good old canon books. But as it stands right now, I feel like... My favorite still stands as the 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 Jedi Academy trilogy. Um, I, I've always loved Kevin J. Anderson's writing style. Like to me, he really it always felt like he he just he got Star Wars. Like he really understood what made Star Wars so great. And um, he really, to me, he really set up a, a good. Um, I mean, I feel like he's sort of the father of the future of that canon at the time. I mean, he he came up with with sort of like where to take the Jedi, like so they start the Jedi Academy, and you know him kind of fleshing out and, and making those um, the solo children like Jason and Jaina and Anakin, kind of making those characters interesting to to read and, and to watch them grow and of course then he goes into the he does the young adult series the young jedi knight series and um which were great dude i read those books so oh, yeah. many times those are what <laughs> in school me, i think uh, you mean you both did i mean those are I, I would read them and read them and read them yeah I but think, yeah because I, I think that series got me back into uh the star wars because I, I in i think third grade i had read true supercura and that took me a while uh-huh. to read and then I right. kind of dropped off of reading Star Wars books for a while. I mean, I, I, at least I don't remember really reading any. But then mm-hmm. I, when I found the, uh, you know, you, you you know, we both went to the same middle school, so they had those permabound, uh, you know, the, the Young Jedi Knight series. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. They, I started reading those, and I got hooked on them, and yeah, the rest was history from there. I mean, I was yeah. like, after I read all the ones that they actually had at the library, and I knew that there were other ones out there, I started going to the public library, hunting them down to read. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and they had like almost the entire catalog, which I was like, yes. So yeah, I would go and re- I would check those things out. I would, I remember I would check them out like five at a time. It was, it was insane, dude. I used to read so much Star Wars. Um, but, uh, but no, man, I just always felt like Kevin J. Anderson had, he wrote really good stories and, and just the characters were really great. And I love the, like, he was really good at, at writing for the Jedi and writing, you know, just the central characters. And he was also just really good with the, with the new characters, like the expanded universe characters, like, um, when he brought, brought in like Tenoka and he wrote for the Calamarian Jedi healer, uh, Silgal, I guess is how you pronounced her name or Sogal. Um, just, you know, all those, I mean, all those guys were really, really cool, but, uh, but yeah, man, I just, I feel like, and I, I <laughs> read them now. It feels like I, JJ or, you know, a lot of the, the people behind the new movies have kind of borrowed a little bit, like some ideas from those books. So it's, you know, like the, you know, doing the super weapon and, and, uh, you know, the whole Jedi Academy ideas and, and, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. There were some, there were some parts that were like, even there's a scene where the young Kip Duran that, um, that basically, you know, was like a promising student for Luke and he, he kind of turned bad and he left. He, there's a scene where he actually goes to Endor and finds Vader's, uh, you know, his funeral pyre, you know, his, his, the place where he was, he was cremated. And just so he could, he could find the, some answers and find like, you know, guidance through the dark side or whatever, you know, just trying to gain, gain some of that power and knowledge. 
And uh, I was like, wow, that kind of is reminiscent of, of Kylo Ren a little bit there. Oh, yeah, because he had I imagine uh, he probably had a similar scene or a similar sequence. Because he had to retrieve Vader's uh, helmet at some point. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I'm just like, you know, they have definitely felt like they, they borrowed uh, some of the ideas, at least. And that's another author, Kevin J. Anderson. I, I hope that he gets back into the series at some point. I mean, he hasn't for a while. Um, I know that uh, um, he's doing other stuff. I mean, he's still a, a pretty busy writer. I know he's a big time uh, writer on the Dune series with um, who's uh, who's doing it now. It's Frank Herbert did the original Dune. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And and his son something Herbert actually let me look. writes the books now. Well, he yeah, writes yeah. them with Kevin J. Anderson, and I think they're both consulting with whoever's doing the TV show for Dune coming up. In, they're like in the early it, stages. I thought I, um isn't what's his name involved with it? Um, the uh oh god. Um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Dennis, Dennis, yeah, Dennis Velive or Velivu or whatever. How yeah. you say his name? I'm yes, that guy. Yes, he hired Kevin J. Anderson and the the young Herbert, uh, you know Frank's son, Brian Herbert, <laughs> Brian Herbert, Brian. There we go, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson to help like with consulting on the upcoming show. So I was I admired that. I'm like that's really cool. So I don't know. He might be too busy to do it, but. I don't know if I was, you know, if I was part of the story group or on the, you know, Del Delray Publishing, I would be- definitely be trying to, you know, hit him up to to step back into the universe because I could, I think we could use it. It would be really cool. Him and like but other than that, I mean, there's yeah, been yeah. there's been like some very, I mean, there's been ups and downs in the old canon for sure. I felt like you know they the last I, I felt like the new Jedi Order, um. That I mean, that was a pretty cool series. I mean, it really shook up the Star Wars universe, but I felt like it. It, I don't know. It kind of got too doom and gloom. Oh yeah, with how, the Star Wars universe. Yeah, well, yeah, the Yuuzhan Vong. They kind of <laughs> they did some kind of irreversible stuff to it. Right, definitely. <laughs> like so, yeah. it's just there was some there was definitely some some craziness there that kind of escalated things and brought took it way more into the adult realm. But um, I know I know when the prequels hit, we had a you know, it was pretty much just Clone Wars crazy for a while. I mean, we had that, and you have like the old, the old Republic stuff. And I, I didn't really get as much into the old Republic as, as, as I should have. I mean, I've, I've read most of the books, but um, you know, there was like the Darth Bane series was great. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think still, I think probably I, my favorite out of all of them was probably that Jedi Academy trilogy with Heir to the Empire, the Thrawn trilogy, probably being like a second. Yeah, it's at least in the top five of the greats. So, it, I mean, I think you you and me have already discussed, you know, the uh, how I was with the uh, Thrawn trilogy. I think I think I was a little soured just by how he was portrayed, at least, at least in that one, you know, in that original series, because it just came off as for me, I just got angry sometimes at how far ahead he would be. Like, mm-hmm. what was it? I think I would like send you like I, I would like find a passage where something ridiculous had happened. Like I think it was toward the end of the third book where they finally like come up with a really kind of clever plan. You know, it looked like you had to throw him off. You know, it was like I think they were like sending like a distraction team to like some fuel depot to make him think right. they're going for one, and while they were really going for something else. And mm-hmm, exactly. And then he's talking to Paleon in his ship, and he's like. Huh. What about this and this and this? And then Pelian says, "Wait, you don't mean?" Yes, I do. They're doing that other thing that I <laughs> did that I had no way right. but some kind of obscure <laughs> reference of knowing. And I, I like. I mean, it was cool, but at the same time, for me, it was just like, "Oh, come on! You can't! You can't be that good!" But I mean, he was. I was just part of his character. But right. I liked. What I loved with the new canon was they've really, like, especially with the Thrawn book, I loved the Thrawn book because for the first time we actually got inside Thrawn's head a little bit. And I think right. that really uh, that really helped me a lot because I, I liked kind of getting, you know, seeing a little bit of how he ticks. And right. Yeah, that's just kind of... Yeah, he definitely, yeah. yeah, he definitely, I think Zahn came back with a great entry. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm, number one, I was just glad that Zahn came back to the... Yeah. To the series you I know, mean and, yeah if anybody and, was going to uh, was able to contribute yeah, to that character yeah. that he created yeah I mean well if anybody was going to write a book where you're 
reintroducing Thrawn, you know, not, not the TV series, but, you know, just for the book, when you're introducing Thrawn, you know, it, it would kind of almost be in poor taste to have anybody other than the original creator attempt it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially, you know, if definitely. he wanted to do it, you know, I mean, cause he made this, you know, one of the most unforgettable non, you know, or old canon characters. So, right. Yeah. It, 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 it'd just be a, you know, you know, you, you knew people would be clamoring afterwards if they had to, went to somebody else for it. They'd be saying, right. why didn't you just have Zahn come back and do it? You know, you idiots. <laughs> right. That's, I mean, I feel like that's what I would have said. Like, if, if, like, let's say I was a Star Wars author and they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, we want you to do the new Thrawn series. I'm like, well, why? Like, did Timothy Zahn say this? Like, did he want me to do this? <laughs> like, why wouldn't he do it? But, um, no, I agree that I'm, I'm really excited for the next book. Um, I, you know, cause I can't wait to see what they're going to do with that, especially with him, the, him teaming up with Darth Vader and kind of bouncing back and forth, telling, you know, the story of when he first meets Anakin to, you know, like whatever story is going on between him and Vader at the time. Um, I'll, I'll say though, I mean, the, I love Thrawn, like it was a good book, but at the same time, it was also one of those books where it was more of just a character piece where, like you said, we got into Thrawn's head, but in terms of the overall story, I felt it was a little weak in the book. Because it was mainly just kind of a step stool, like just you was just like, okay, well, he did this to get to this point, and then we go to this, and he does this to get to this point, and you you know, and like they also try to he brings in the um what was the senator or the the oh Lord, what was her name oh orinda orinda price yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah she um you know I mean her character was okay, but it was like I felt like they were. She was there. I, th- I feel like they were. She was kind of like dumped on Zon to to flesh out, like you know, yeah, tell her place in Thrawn's yeah. story. I do. So I do. Like, uh, yeah, okay. I do at least like that. You know, because she was very like irredeemable throughout the the Rebel series. Because you know right. she was just like power hungry. But I did like mm-hmm. that that Zon kind of did both sides of it because he did kind of show how power hungry she was. You know, she was willing to throw away her friends. You know to you know, to get what she thought she would, she deserved. But right. they also showed that she did have her limits. You know, she did have her weak spot. And, you know, you know, it was her parents in the book. They were the one, they were like, I think basically the only thing that she genuinely cared about. Right. And yeah. I, yeah, I did like that. He was able to put that in there. Yeah, no, definitely. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I can't wait to see what he does with that. But I feel like, you know, Zon, if you're listening, uh, talk to Kevin and uh, get him to, <laughs> to come with come up with a new story. That, that would be great. I would love to see that. And uh, one thing I would love them to do with the new canon, and I don't know if it'll ever happen because you know I, you would hope it would have happened back when they did the Clone Wars. But I would love to see a cemented version of the Battle of Coruscant. I know it's still kind of delving back into the prequel era, but you know, we got. You know, at least my favorite story, you know, in terms of like that one, because there, you know, there were kind of the two overlapping ones. There was, you know, the Clone Wars animated series version of the Battle of Coruscant, and then there was also the James Luceno uh, Labyrinth of Evil Battle of Coruscant. And yeah, I, I easily preferred Luceno's version. I oh, just definitely. for just for that giant, just for that really, really awesome, you know, train sequence where you had. My favorite Jedi, Kit Fisto, and Mace Windu get on top of like that uh, maglev and fight General Grievous and a bunch of his bodyguards. In, you know, two against like I think it was like three or four. And right. I, I just remember how awesome that was. Reading that moment, I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. I need I need to see this oh, happen." <laughs> yeah, man, it it was to me. I mean, you know, I love the the old Clone Wars animated series that started, you know, the little shorts and, you know, they did a good version. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty decent version of the battle of Coruscant and all that, but I still consider James Lucino's labyrinth of evil, the, the canon, like the official story. It's it, it, to me, that book was so good and to be not the movie, you know, I mean it, to me, it played like a movie because I remember when that book came out and I'm reading it, I just ate it up because there was little greats of little, like just great little nuggets of, of, you know, knowledge and, and seeing the main characters figuring stuff out because, you know, you can't, you know, you can't tell, I guess you can't tell everything in the, in the movie. Like you can't, you know, give screen time to all the little, you know, loose threads that need to be tied up. 
So I love that that book served as that. Like you get to get you know wrap up some of the Nemoidian stories. You know, kind okay, of dating yeah. back to the episode. If I remember, one yeah, if time. I remember correctly, doesn't that book like at the beginning? Because there's like something on Cato Nemoidia, which is like the line that Obi Wan's referring to when we see him in Episode Three, where he says, "You know, that business on Cato Nemoidia doesn't count." Right. I think that happens. Like I think what was like. Yeah, I think he inhales some type of spores, and he starts getting a little drunk while he's fighting, or something like that. Yeah, while he's fighting, it's like some sort of like gas or something yeah. like that. It's that's flooding the <laughs> the palace, and he's he's like in there this full battle. He's like taking down all these battle droids and stuff, and he's still holding his own, but he's like drunk while he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, but it was still, I mean, I just love that they, they really answered a lot of the fan questions, a lot of the the loose threads, you know, and, and things like that, like answers for, like, Sidious and, and the Nemoidians and, you know, their place and all of it and just all that stuff. It was just great. And it and then, you know, culminating with the Battle of Coruscant oh, and Grievous God. and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, I mean they and he, give a reason for all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. Like, once it started, there was such, you know, once the battle start or once the attack started, there was such a sense of urgency, like, you know, their priority was we, we have to get Palpatine out of here to safety. And, you know, yep. you, you were like, you were like, I remember I was on the edge of my seat reading. I think I read through that whole sequence once it started in one night. Yeah. That was how, that's oh, how, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how hooked in I was. Yeah. Plus the pacing was really good. I mean, the, like, Lucino can really do a good job, like, especially in terms of pacing. Mm-hmm. So I think he's the only but other, I, is he the only other author besides, uh, Zahn who's, been brought over to the new canon so far, because um, he wrote the catalyst. Other than uh, I think prequel. you know, um, what was his name? John Jackson Miller. Because um, he, he started. Remember, he wrote uh, Kenobi. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, he wrote that. Yeah, there's a few other ones he wrote, but you know they were kind of towards the end of the uh, of the line before they rebooted, and then he came over. But I think that's I think that's about it. Yeah. But uh, I think that's, you know, I, I feel like we're kind of hitting that point where we got to wrap it up. But um, we have so much more we can talk about. I mean, we're, you know, we've probably got a few more weeks of us, you know, doing this. And maybe we'll talk more about the books and, you know, other stuff like that. But if, you know, anybody you know, out there, if you've got any questions for us, comments, you know, if you hate us, if you love us, if you have questions, you know, you can always contact us at the official site outerrimnews.com you can also contact us through our social media sites like twitter which is at outerrimnews.com or excuse me at outerrimnews sorry twitter people uh facebook is facebook.com slash outerrimnews and at instagram which is instagram.com slash outerrimnews also remember the podcast isn't endorsed or supported by disney or lucasfilm it's all for entertainment purposes all the names and sounds we use are all copyright and registered trademarks of disney and their respective copyright holders And I think that's going to wrap it up, guys. So um, until next week, peace (laughs) Uh, and laughs, giggles. uh